You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Forest Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Ryan. On Forest Friends Rewatch, we rewatch Star Wars television shows, and then we talk about them. And we are currently covering all of the animated episodes that are about Mandalorians in the lead up to the live action show. This week, we are covering the final four episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars, The Siege of Mandalore. And to talk about them, we brought on a, another special guest. Yes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this is Hello. a recurring special guest. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I'm Becca, Becca Soka, I guess. <laughs> um, I have been on before, so it's exciting to be back talking about one of my favorite arcs, The Clone Wars. Second How time excited. here. We're glad you're back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be Especially back. Especially to talk about these episodes. I mean, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> about, about right. This is normally where I recap, but you should go watch these episodes if you haven't seen them. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. seriously? Go, just go watch them real quick and then come back. <laughs> but I guess if you haven't watched them in a while, uh, a brief refresher. Uh, fuck, how do I even recap these four episodes? Okay, um, Ahsoka calls up Anakin and Obi-Wan and is like, Hey boys, uh, shit's going down. I'm here with my new lesbian best friend, Bo-Katan, and we're gonna go kick Darth Maul's ass. Y'all in? And Anakin is like, this sounds so dope. Fuck yeah. And Obi-Wan is like, I don't know, Jedi stuff. Maybe we shouldn't. (laughs) And Anakin's like, dude, you fucking suck. All I want to do is go hang out with Ahsoka and Bo-Katan and kick Darth Maul's ass. And Obi-Wan's like, yeah, but like, we have to go be in Revenge of the Sith, so let's go do that. Anakin gives Ahsoka some lightsabers and uh, all of his homies, and Bo, Katan, Rex, and Ahsoka, and a half half of the five hundred first go. It's a division. I don't think a we division. Know. Yeah clone terms uh go to try and retake mandalore and it's it's rad as fuck uh it's two episodes of just non-stop clone on mando on mando action um, it sounds like it might not be pg rated but it is it is <laughs> i don't know if these episodes are pg rated uh people get fucked up um, yeah they i don't think that they rate streaming content and I don't think that the door cutting the clone in half and then seeing his severed arm on the ground would net a PG today. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. 
Anywho, uh, Maul kidnaps Jesse to get the 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 back the the tea as the kids would say the tea on Ahsoka. <laughs> Uh, we're introduced to Captain Vaughn, who became my favorite clone, and then he died real quick. They kill the shitty politician, whose name I forgot last episode, and I forget his name again (laughs) this episode, but they kill him. His name is still Prime Minister Almec. Yeah, fuck that Shitty politician works. We know who you meant. Bo-Katan kicks ass, like always. Ahsoka and Maul have a come-to-the-dark-side moment, and... It's the most intriguing one I think we've ever seen in a Star War because one, Maul is completely telling the truth. He's like not doing that shit that Dooku did in Attack of the Clones where he like kind of tells the truth, but is actually lying. Like Maul is just straight up like, here's all of the shit I know that's happening. Uh, Please help me stop it. And Ahsoka is like, deal, I'm in. You and me, we're going to go kill... Darth Sidious, I guess, because, like, this sounds real bad. Oh, by the way, why did you want Anakin? And Maul's like, because I wanted to kill the bitch. And then Osaka's <laughs> like, oh, fuck, now we got to fight. Uh, phenomenal lightsaber duel. Uh, Ahsoka wins, and Maul begs for suicide, uh, and then they capture him. Yeah. Then they put him in... Uh, a Mandalorian Jedi torture box designed to torture Jedi. And Bo-Katan's like, yeah, I'm totally a good person. I just had this lying around my house. And Ahsoka's like, I know you're a war criminal. It's so cute. It's fine. <laughs> you had, by the way, you had the perfect opportunity to call it a Beskar Maiden. Uh, and we yeah, can't I mean, let that. Yeah, Beskar Maiden. <laughs> Fuck, we're okay. Uh, Order 66 happens. It's really sad. Ahsoka frees Maul to cause a diversion. Maul's like, hey, can I have a lightsaber? And Ahsoka's like, go fuck yourself. Ahsoka and some droids save Rex. The the droids die tragically. Ahsoka and Rex escape on a Y-Wing and they build a monument to all the dead clones and the dead droids. And then Vader, sometime later, with some stormtroopers, finds the monuments and finds Ahsoka's lightsabers. That's like the spark noted version. Oh, Maul goes full Magneto on the, the clones and it's incredibly gruesome. He is like mm-hmm. ripping off pieces of floor to like shoot yeah. into people and like, is just like body parts everywhere. It's buck wild, but this yeah. is a kid show. Yeah, it was <laughs> it's intense. That, but that's that's everything. That's everything that happened in these four episodes. And now, <laughs> oh shit, Ryan, you didn't do a bit. I didn't do a bit. I mean, these are shoot. I didn't even think of one. Um, well then, fuck it. We can just the bit can be. Let's talk about Clone Wars. You know what? <laughs> these episodes didn't have a uh, Jedi fortune cookie or the usual like Clone Wars theme, so it's only fitting we don't have a bit. Yeah, it's perfect. We planned it that way. <laughs> Becca, what did you think of these four episodes? Um, speechless when I first saw them. They're some of my favorite now, and especially watching them again right now. Just reminded me how much I love the story and where it takes it. And seeing just the ending of it all, like watching the last episode and seeing 
Rex and Ahsoka just kind of stand there realizing like our lives are so different now and they don't know what to do is just so powerful. And it feeds into the story that we've always known so well that I just, I love it. These episodes are some of my favorites ever, really. There are four moments that get me really emotional. And this is only the second time I've watched through these episodes and they they hit again this time. The first was seeing Obi-Wan on that bridge with like Cody uh, just got me like really choked up of like, this is Clone Wars again. And this is like classic Clone Wars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The next is Anakin giving Ahsoka the lightsabers. Uh, The third, the third is Maul just like screaming like you don't know what's coming like just kill me like just let me die and it's just like oh my god like he's like he's so right about everything like Ahsoka doesn't know what's coming and it's gonna be so bad and this dude knows it and is just desperate to get out of it but that's how you feel as a fan watching this like you know Order 66 is coming Mm -hmm. and then uh, yeah the final moment is the monuments like Ahsoka and Rex taking the time. Like they know they need to be on the run, but they take the time to pay respect to uh, the true victims of the clone wars, which is the clones. And I guess the droids too, like they, they they build monuments for the droids who are also the victims. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. (laughs) It is. And it, what you were saying about us knowing order 66 was impending. The one thing I kept thinking about while we rewatched these was what a good job they do. Kind of, there's a rhythm to how they link up with revenge of the Sith. And every so often, not so often that you're expecting it, but every so often they give you like a little indicator, like the clock strikes, you know, count Dooku's been killed. The council's making Anakin spy on the Chancellor. Here's this scene from Revenge of the Sith that we saw from a different perspective with Mace Windu and Kiadi Mundi and Yoda and everybody. And then Order 66, obviously. And it's it's like a ticking clock. There's like a metronome that keeps you in line with Revenge of the Sith. And then at a certain point, you know Order 66 is any minute. But it doesn't it doesn't feel forced. Mm-mm. When people say, like, oh, prequels aren't good because you can't build tension, <laughs> like, no. The, the fact yeah. that we knew this was coming is what makes these episodes so stressful. Yes. Mm-hmm. A good writer can tell a good story with a foregone conclusion. Ask anybody who paid to see Titanic. <laughs> like... I'd also say that's why X-Men First Class works so well, too. Yeah. Like, you know the fallout with Xavier and uh, Eric is going to be brutal. (laughs) And the entire movie, you're just waiting for it to, like, build up and happen. You're speaking Becca's language. (laughs) Yes. We were on set of something once and they had, didn't they have one of the seats from the X-Jet from Mm -hmm. that movie? Just like, or not from that one, but from that, like. Yeah, from the yeah that series of X Men films, just sitting around in the studio. Nobody really knew why, but <laughs> I've never heard her make those noises. On Force Friends Rewatch, the podcast where we only talk about Star Wars television shows. <laughs> I love X Men. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All good. Yeah, it's just it's 
it's like an interquel of a prequel. It's mm-hmm. so good. So in the last few episodes, we've had an elephant in the room. I think the elephant in this room is how long are the Clone Wars? Because Three years, I, right? I, I don't I don't accept that timeline anymore. Why? <laughs> if you watch the Clone Wars movie and then you watch this, there's no way three years has passed. What do you think it is? I think it's got to be closer to five. I've heard people say that, but why do you think that? Ahsoka here is like a full grown adult. Like I, she feels very grown up in uh, the 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 Padawan who knew too much. Like she she yeah. feels like a young woman there, and then we got her like you know, kind of like road trip episode, but like this is full, like grown ass adult Ahsoka. And if it's only three years, she's 15 or 16. 17. She's cause she's 14 when we meet her in Clone Wars. Are you sure she's not like 13? <laughs> in no, I the, think those first episodes. I don't know. Cause I remember, I remember being a weird little teenage uh, canon obsessive and here we go um, in the first of the Jedi Apprentice books by Jude Watson they said uh, that if you weren't a Padawan by 13 you go to the Agricultural Corps but I remember in the like lead up to the Clone Wars movie George and Dave said she was 14 and I was like well hold on this contradicts my books I don't like what you're doing here at all so <laughs> I uh, I do remember that vividly. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> it's wonderful. I don't know. I still I still feel like the three year thing was a holdover from Legends. Yeah, and I think even looking at like Anakin's hair and the amount of ships the Republic goes through and like technology yeah. like. We see the Republic use those weird foldy boys and then they use the Y-Wings and then they use the Z-95 Headhunter and then they use the ARC-170 and then they use V-Wings. Like, they're just tearing through shit in three years. Yeah, uh, I mean, but it the whole thing is that, like, these big businesses are driving this war and that's exactly what a big business would push for. But I think, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think if that would mess anything up with the canon timeline. I really don't think it would. If anything, it would make it more acceptable that Obi-Wan Kenobi aged like hell. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, he needs to be drinking whatever the fuck Bo-Katan's drinking. Because <laughs> Bo-Katan right. has not aged in we, 30 goddamn years. I was talking to my friend about that today because we realized that Bo, it's even, yeah, it's about that long, but she's got to be, if she's in her late 20s in Clone Wars, she's close to 60 in Chapter 11, and, uh, yeah. She looks good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
So, uh, I was about to call you Ahsoka, Becca. Uh, <laughs> Becca. Acceptable. What do you think these four episodes kind of inform us about Ahsoka as an audience member? I think it bridges a good gap between the Clone Wars where it first ended and then Rebels and how we see her become this like wise figure and this like leader. And she's always been a great leader and and had like this like wisdom, like beyond her age kind of thing. But it really shows how much she's grown and how mature she is without the Jedi. And I think that's really important to see how she can become this important this strong like leader and make her decisions without their influence anymore and it's still work like she can still be this it, this independent person without them and it i don't know i like that it shows that that you don't need the same people you've grown up with to become who you want to be and who you believe is right that's a really good point that like, it's okay to outgrow certain aspects that used to be important to you. And they can still yeah. mean something to you, and you can still be sentimental about them. But yeah, it's, it's, it's okay think, to grow beyond those. Yeah, like, especially with her and Anakin, like, the first episode of this arc, like, he's excited to see her. He wants this big reunion kind of thing. And she's like, no, we have more important things. <laughs> And, like, I feel like a couple years ago for her, like, or whatever timeline. (laughs) Controversial. I know. (laughs) Sorry, the years thing. Uh, She probably would have been just as excited. She would have wanted to, like, hug him and have this big moment. But she's grown. And I I think seeing that and seeing almost him being hurt by that is really important. Yeah, that was a heck of a moment. It hurt to see, but (laughs) it's important. (laughs) I think there's something about... Mandalorians and Ahsoka and Maul because these two non-Mandalorians have become so tied to this planet's trajectory. Yes. And I think thematically Filoni is trying to tell us something about the Mandalorian people by using Ahsoka and Maul and constantly shoving them into these Mandalorian plot-heavy episodes. And I've been thinking about it for, like, the past two days, and I haven't quite landed on it, but, like... I I have two hypotheses about that. Hit me. Uh, One of them is that Dave Filoni is a kid who grew up with Star Wars action figures and likes to play with his favorite toys over and over again, and he thinks Mandos are cool, and he thinks Ahsoka's cool, (laughs) and he thinks Darth Maul's cool, and sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. But (laughs) my more interesting theory is that Ahsoka looks like a Jedi, and Maul looks like a Sith, and the Mandalorians look like this unified militant thing. But Mandalorian isn't a race, it's a creed, and you can become a Mandalorian and you can define your own identity within that massive umbrella of the Mandalorian sector. And Ahsoka isn't a Jedi, she's forging her own path forward. And Maul, although he might or might not object to this, depending on when he heard it, really isn't a Sith Lord after the Phantom Menace. He has their training, but he's like completely different animal. Emphasis on animal. And there's something about, like, existing within these trappings, but kind of being a self-determined, unpredictable, free agent. 
I think that it has to do with their relationships to their creeds because yeah. like Maul and Ahsoka have both left. Like Maul, Maul not by choice. Maul not by choice, but he he is no longer a Sith. Uh you know, Sidious calls him a rival. Yeah. And I mean, he by the time we see him in Rebels, he has lost the Darth title. He's just Maul. He's not even Darth Maul anymore. Love that moment. Yeah. But despite leaving this religion behind, he is still constantly trying to practice it. He keeps trying to find apprentices, keeps trying to overthrow the Sith Lord and rule like a Sith. And it keeps screwing him over, but he keeps trying to do the same shit over and over and over again. Meanwhile, Ahsoka leaves the Jedi behind and, like, truly finds peace. Like, the next time we see her, she is dressed like Gandalf the White and has fucking all-white lightsabers. (laughs) And by leaving it behind and leaving the dogma and the theology behind, she is in a lot of ways like a truer version of the Jedi. Yeah. And I think the Filoni is saying something about Mandalorians there where Mandalorians also have a creed and there are people who are extremely dogmatic. Bo-Katan, when we first meet her, being one of them. And it's not till Bo in these episodes, like... All Max says to her, like, if you attack with the Republic, you know, you're betraying Mandalore. And she's like, I'm fine with that. I'm just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And I think we're going to see this through other Mandalorian characters like Sabine Wren and Fen Rao and Din, where they have these relation, these different relationships with what it means to be a Mandalorian. And it's the people who are super fucking dogmatic about it are the ones who more often than not are in the wrong. Yes. Can I go on the record now? I'm sure you'll agree and say that the armorer is probably going to be the main villain of the Mandalorian. I don't know if I agree. Really? I think she's wrong. I think she's, I think she's a, you know, kind of like a bad leader, but I don't, I don't know if she's necessarily going to be the main villain. I guess Gideon Um, will probably remain the big bad, but I do think that she is going to be Bo's main villain, and I could see that culminating in something ugly. I think there's... I I could see that happening. We really don't know enough about the armorer yet. Like, we know that Din has a lot of reverence for her, and we know that Din is you know, has grown up in a cult, which like, buddy, I can relate. But, um, yeah, I think we need to know more about like her motivations and why she's doing it. Cause she could be, you know, also misled like Dennis. That's very true. But people who have also been misled, I mean, there would still be room for her. I don't know. I'm not saying that she won't have a redemption arc, but I do think, she is going to be portrayed at least as more of an antagonist than anything, just based on, on same thing we were just saying, you just said about like, yeah, the dogmatic ones being in the wrong, but I hope that she gets a redemption because her helmet is sick. (laughs) Her helmet is dope. And you know, 
lady blacksmith swing hammer make Andy feel feelings. Like, <laughs> she's just real cool. Yeah. It's true. She's badass. We get a lot of Gar Saxon, if I'm yeah. keeping my Mando name straight, and a character mm-hmm. from the comic books, uh, Rook, was it? Rook Cast. Yeah. Did They're you? Cool. Uh, yeah. Did you catch who voiced her? No. Our friend Vanessa Marshall. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That uh, was fun. I was glad that they were brought into it because Rook Cast, like, they didn't have to bring her in, but that was a nice little callback to those comics that should have been episodes. What's kind of tragic here is that, like, Gar Saxon's villain arc is truly born here. Like, yeah. He was on the same side as Bo Katan for, you know, presumably a long time. And it's. Now, as he gets betrayed by Maul and sees Mandalore fall to the Republic, that he has this come to Jesus moment of like, oh, that's what strength is. And he's going to like sell out to the Empire, heart and soul. We'll be seeing more of him in Rebels. Yeah, he... I I didn't care for Saxon at first in Rebels because he felt like generic bad guy. And it really wasn't until these episodes showed very subtly exactly what you just said that I, I kind of came to appreciate him as that villain that like the Grima worm tongue that just goes to the biggest bully in the room and stands behind him. He's handsome Grima worm tongue. He is kind of a daddy. Yeah, I know that we were talking about daddies a lot last time, but... He, no, we don't talk about that when Becca's in the room. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got the gray hair. He's kind of like he a does, silver fox. He he's got a real good jawline and some stubble. He's not as he daddy as Cobb Vanth, but... That's true. Who is? Cobb Vanth is ultimate daddy. Oh my God, he's so I, fucking that's hot. What they all aspire to be. Evan's like, should I cosplay him? And I'm like, yes, yes, you should for reasons. I wish I could have been there for that. Yeah, Evan would make a really good Cobb Vanth. Yeah, I know. Evan's going to be so sexy when he turns great. Evan's my fiance, (laughs) listeners, if you haven't picked up on that. But uh, Evan's going to be so sexy when he turns gray. That's a that's that's an Andy soundbite right there. Yeah, I'm all about it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> is there is there anything in these episodes that don't work? Is there anything we would change? I the last episode always felt hollow to me. And I understand that that's because I know how it ends. But I guess that's just how it had to be. Like if you if you watch these all in one as a feature film, it works perfectly. And I guess I'm just not used to a Clone Wars episode that's all conclusion, because they usually had a really masterful three-act structure. So, the the episodes about Ahsoka's walkabout... Yeah. ...got some flack, which I disagree with. I do think that it's a really important storyline. I, yeah. I love the sisters. However... Oh, same. I do feel like this arc needed one more episode to like fully conclude. And I do think that arc 
was one episode too long. Agreed. And I'm just like, oh, if we could have just squeezed one of those out and put it over here, perfect season. <laughs> yep. yeah. Wise. yeah. But, you know, most of the people bitching about those episodes are like, this is SJW's ruined Star Wars. And I'm like, shut oh, up. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're perfectly good exactly. episodes and it's a necessary yeah. arc for Ahsoka. I was going to say, yeah, it's it's important to have. I just I would have I would have finagled the pacing a little bit yeah. on the seasons. Uh, the third I, episode of that arc, nothing happens. And I, I know people say that a lot about Star Wars, but they break <laughs> out of jail and get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if if I would have had my way, I do think the the pacing in. The Siege of Mandalore could have just used one more episode to. Maybe give us a little bit more Anakin and Obi-Wan just because, mm-hmm. like, it's the final season of Clone Wars. We haven't really seen a ton of Obi-Wan. Uh, maybe if they could have spent a little more time with Ahsoka instead of just, like, the the 15, 20 minutes we got. Like, there could have been something else there, I think. But yeah, most that's, definitely. All, that's all I have to complain about. <laughs> I also, I still, and Becca probably has much stronger opinions about this than any of us, but I still don't understand what the heck Anakin changing the lightsabers was all about. To me, that almost feels like a violation after season five established that these kyber crystals are so personal to the bearer. Like, what the heck was that? I And I kept thinking it was going to have some kind of payoff, and it, I, I watched these trying to figure out what happened, and I still don't get that. I feel like just like the way I've seen it is it's almost just Anakin. It's being, he's just being his cocky self. He's being his selfish, annoying, cocky, (laughs) like sky guy that we know. And he, he wants Ahsoka to see how much he cares in his, in his weird way. Like it's, it doesn't make sense, but I think he's trying to show her that he misses her. And but he's still joking with her, like he's still being silly and and fun. But it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. That was basically what Filoni said. He was talking about how there was an interview after these episodes, and you know, of mm. course, people asked him what's the deal with that, and he said that he pictured Anakin fiddling with her lightsabers every day, and at first it was just like taking them apart, putting them back together because he missed her, and then it was slowly starting to in his mind try and improve things and not uh, realizing that he would be violating boundaries mm-hmm. and I like that as an act of you know possessiveness which is you know Anakin's major flaw he yeah. kind of goes too far with it and changes the color and but to him it's it, it's okay it, it, he doesn't it see it is this emotional sweet gesture where he's giving this gift and it it means so much, but at the same time, it's also indicative of Anakin's shortcomings of he can't let things go and he takes mm-hmm. things too far. And, uh, you know, it it's a nice gesture, but it's also a little, uh, you know, too much. Yeah. At the end, it, it does tie in like he's he thinks he's thinking of others when it's a very selfish thing he's doing. And then that, that leads into episode three very well with that being all he does is very selfish acts, but he thinks he's trying to help others. Yeah. 
Huh. Okay. I like that. I have no <laughs> notes. Wonderful. Thank you for coming. Y'all, I feel bad for Darth Maul. I know he's a bad dude, <laughs> and he's he's evil, and hey, we got some dope solo references in these episodes, and some yeah. great Rogue One references in these episodes. I have some but trivia like, about that. Darth Maul, like this poor, this poor fucker just keeps <laughs> trying, and like, John Campia is a bad, dumb man, and he says bad, dumb things, but him talking about how in the lead up to these episodes, if uh, words I'm not going to repeat because it's gross and sexually inappropriate, but a, if Dave Filoni's favorite character beats Darth Maul, he's boycotting. And I was like, dude, of course she's going to beat Darth Maul because one, this happened in the Phenomenal book by E.K. Johnston already. So <laughs> like, if you were a real fan, you would have read that, John Campia. But two... Heck yeah. Shout out. Two... Darth Maul's whole thing is he tries his hardest and loses every time. Sam Witwer compared him to the the dude rolling up the 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 boulder in Hades, and then he has to do it every single day. Like yeah. that is who Darth Maul is. He tries his hardest, he gets so close, and then he has to start over again. So, like, of course he's gonna lose. That's the point of the character. That's what makes him interesting. It's my little side rant about how John Camby is a dumb man who says bad things, but also how great Darth Maul is. I agree with both of those points. I think, uh, yeah, I forgot about Whitworth's thing with the boulder, but that's exactly who Maul is. The dude just can't win. No, and he gets so close every single time. By the way, because you uh, because I have weird technical trivia about these episodes every time, um, and you mentioned the solo references, I learned actually via StarWars.com that Dryden Voss was kind of a last minute addition. And if you really look at him, uh, he is the body of the generic Mandalorian civilian, just painted black, with the head of one of Satine's ministerial council and the hair of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Love it. And he's just far enough away that it registers as Dryden Voss because they put the lines on him. Yes. But if you really look at him, all of that becomes obvious. <laughs> so don't look speaking, at him. <laughs> speaking of little details with the models, something that I really noticed rewatching these episodes was how much we saw the faces of the clones on the bridge crews. Yeah. And normally that isn't something that matters, but when you compare it to Rebels, where you never see the faces of Imperial Bridge Crew people, which, you know, it was them saving money, but then also yeah. them trying to make a point of, like, no one in the Empire has an identity, like, they're all just cogs in the machine. But mm -hmm. these clones, you see their faces and their personalities in those faces, and it's, uh, it made me very sad. Yeah. It makes it yeah, harder to watch. Very sad. They really, uh, you empathize with the clones executing Order 66 for really the first time. There have been stories in Legends about Order 66 from like a clone perspective, but they, the clones that you're emphasizing with always like refuse to do it. Like in the Karen Travis novels or in uh, James Lucino's Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. This is the first time we see clones trying to execute Order 66, but it still manages to make you feel bad. Becca, what is your absolute favorite scene in these episodes? 
Oh, favorite <laughs> scene. Um, I guess the one that always comes to mind, and it's like a favorite and sad scene, is when Rex leaves Ahsoka on the bridge uh, at the end. And he's like, they have a a meeting or something. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> but then you see Ahsoka looking out um, into hyperspace. And then she starts, you start hearing the voices of Mace and Anakin and Sidious. And I think that's such a powerful moment to just like kind of hear that and see her face realizing like something's happening right now. And like, it's, I love it, but I also hate it. It's one of those hard moments, but it's, it's one that I can always just picture so vividly because it's, it's how we all feel <laughs> watching that and, and now knowing how others are dealing with that moment. Cause you never really see anyone else in that moment. Like we've always seen just the three of them dealing with it, like not how others are reacting to it, who can feel it through the force. What really hit me watching that scene this time was like, damn, if Maul's plan had worked and he had killed Anakin here, mm-hmm. things might have gone real differently. Yeah. Or if, like, Ahsoka was able to talk to Anakin just one more time. Yeah. If she had been able to warn him, like, hey, Maul, like, is convinced you're about to turn evil. Uh, mm-hmm. How are you? Are things good? <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, he needed to hear. Yeah, he just, he needed somebody he trusts and loves and who he didn't feel like was being corrupted somehow. And Ahsoka would have been that. And I'm, I mean, obviously in the greater story, I'm glad that it didn't happen because it's more powerful for it being Luke. But like knowing that she could have most likely stopped all of this. And I'm glad you said that you're glad that that didn't happen because ultimately let's look at it. <laughs> Seriously. A- Anakin either is killed by a maw or doesn't turn, you know, the empire never rises. Right. I would assume no. Padme. I think well, then, Sidious still pulls Order 66. That's true. But I don't think he would have consolidated power in the same way without Anakin going to the Jedi Temple. Like, Anakin sure. probably slaughtered. So then, you know, Padme is still pregnant. She still has the twins. She likely lives, I would think. Although Palpatine would probably try to whack them. But either way, you know, he kills them. That's that. He, they survive. Luke might go on to lead some kind of anti-imperial effort. Leia definitely would. But Kylo Ren never happens, which means Luke never goes into hiding, which means the Porgs remain undiscovered. And I just, I don't want that kind of Star Wars. I I don't. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Or Anakin and Luke hear these stories about the first Jedi temple and go on a father-son road trip to discover Octo together. Yes. Shit. <laughs> You're right. I like it. Same. I like this. <laughs> or Maul killed Anakin and Obi-Wan takes Luke and Leia on uncle niece nephew road trip to find Octo. <laughs> Best possible option. Uh, 
at the celebration of Palpatine's downfall with all the Jedi because Order 66 didn't happen and Mace managed to kill him, uh, Kiati Mundi's like, guys, I got a lot of explaining to do, but check this out, and takes off the bald cap. He was never a Sarian or whatever. He was a human with a porg hidden under a bald cap. And he's like, you're never going to believe where these guys came from, but there's a whole island of them. This got weird fast, but I really like porgs. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Or long, long neck Daryl Poof. Oh my God. Turns out he opens up his face. He's been a porg riding around in that little skull working a mech suit the whole time. Oh, please. <laughs> please. Oh, I like it. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm for it. I'm for it. Just porgs, porgs rule. Porgs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we we do need porgs in like a proper animated Star Wars show. I would point. love, you know, it doesn't even have to be canon. Just give me like a series about porg friends doing porg stuff. Are they going to be in the Lego Christmas special? Yes, that's they cool. are. Yes, Pesto awesome. the porg, our plush porg, who's Instagram famous at pesto porg. Thanks, is sitting here just loving this. He's like, this is the content y'all should have been doing from the beginning. <laughs> He is actually sitting with us as we record this. It's true. It's the life we've chosen that's chosen us. No shame. The uh, the bridge fight made me think of classic Battlefront. It made me think yeah. of Besman platforms again. We've talked about Besman platforms here before. Yeah. That, and those, that those jet fight. troopers were from Battlefront, right? Battlefront is the first time we see clone troopers with jetpacks. Sounds right. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> You've been right about everything. Ahsoka is 14 at the start of Clone Wars. <laughs> oh, no. I looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Just can't can't argue. <laughs> she feels older than 17 to me in these episodes. Yeah. And she feels younger to me at the start. It's because of those sisters, man. <laughs> those, those sisters helped her age. Those sisters aged her. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree that the ages are weird. And this is where... Uh, any internet dude would say, "Well, we don't know at what rapid pro, what at what at what speed Tagruda's age, but we do. They age at the speed of plot." Hey. And again with the Republic, like the United States military used the Jeep for like seventy <laughs> goddamn years. They were just like, "It's perfect. We're never replacing it. We're just going to use the Jeep forever." <laughs> How much tech does the Republic go through? So much. Approximately one Hasbro. So much. <laughs> yeah. Even Obi-Wan's armor, like he starts out in like full plate and then he's down to the the shoulders and the, the wrists. And then, I mean, I guess he just throws his cloaks off constantly and never goes yeah. back to pick them up. Maybe he's doing that with his armor, too. But like by the end of Clone Wars, he's not even wearing armor anymore. Like, I think there was a blurb in one of the visual guides that estimated that Obi-Wan lost, like, seven cloaks during the Clone Wars. Well, yeah, he's got to take him off like a dramatic bitch. You have to. It makes sense. Yeah. That's actually the Jedi Code. I don't think the Jedi Code's been defined outside of Legends, but the first line is, take that cloak off like the dramatic bitch you are. <laughs> These were fun. These were fun episodes and hard episodes. Mm -hmm. They're they're really, really, really good episodes. It's hard to talk about them because, like, we we have set amount of time for this podcast, and there's so much good stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. They, I would love to see them edited together as a feature. In 20 years, when it's safe to go to the movies again, it would be fun to do like a 20th anniversary release of these as a feature in theaters. I always said Clone Wars came in with a feature, should go out with a feature. Yeah, that would be that would be good. Becca, are you planning to get blue lightsabers? <laughs> well, fun, fun stuff. Um, thanks to a friend, I was able to get the brand new uh, Galaxy's Edge Ahsoka lightsabers that are the color changing Clone Wars versions. They change so color? They, they do. do. So they work for the entire Clone Wars Ahsoka-ness. And it's, they're amazing. They're, they're so good. Damn, that's awesome. They were pretty cheap for yeah, lightsabers too. Um, Two hundred for the box set with like yeah. a display case. Yeah, it's 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 the probably the best price sabers out there now for her. They're for anything. For anything. Two hundred dollars yeah. for lightsabers like that. Yeah, oh, I'm obsessed with those. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, because I'm slowly working on that costume, very slowly. I I asked Santa for. Uh, an Anakin saber. We'll we'll see if yes. uh, we'll see if Santa nice. delivers. Yes, that'll be cool. Ah, oh, that's gonna be awesome. I can't wait for your Anakin. You're doing the Revenge of the Sith Anakin, right? Yeah. Yes, that's what he has in these. It's pretty much the mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Excellent. That's another cosplay I want Evan to do. I want Evan to do Obi Wan. Yes. Oh, y'all are perfect already, say, but that would be, be extra so perfect. Evan it's would also pull up the canon height difference, too. Oh, yeah, you're right. Huh. Yeah. I, uh, I I feel like you're just making Evan do all the space daddies, and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> what? You've got, you know, Obi-Wan, Cobb Vant, Cassian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get him into some Vizsla armor next. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's the ultimate he, daddy. He has talked about band. wanting to do Din. I don't know if he Ooh. actually wants to do all that work, though. That's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. I've yeah. been thinking about it myself. This is maybe one of the first times Becca's hearing about that. But mm-hmm. um, is it you didn't know that? No, you did tell okay. me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is a lot of work. I think I would do the Beskar. Uh, That's his best look. I kind of prefer the patchwork one, but I like the Beskar. I just, I think the Beskar is more, it's more, it's more striking. I like Mm -hmm. the, I like the shape of that first brown chest plate that he had, but the Beskar is striking. True. That's the thing. Once you get into Star Wars cosplay, you never get out. Oh God, no. (laughs) No. Stuck forever. It's like the, the children of the watch cult. (laughs) Oh man! Any any closing thoughts, y'all? Uh, I love this I, arc. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. I do like the ending. Ending with Vader. Oh, we didn't even we talk didn't talk about, about that, that yet. <laughs> oh, where we see Vader pick up Ahsoka's saber, and my heart like stops. And the owl. The owl. My friend, right after these airs, told me this funny story. That was it was Mike. He was like. Yeah, my, uh, I forget how, I think his kid's like five or six. And he was like, my kid was asking me so many questions about that bird at the end. He was like fascinated by it. This is somebody who didn't watch Rebels. And he was like, 
I told him it's just a bird, but he asked me to ask you what it is. Can you tell him it's just a bird? And I was like, I cannot tell you it's just a bird. No, it is, that, that it broke is not yeah, just a bird. No, there's, there's shit going on there for sure. So much more. Uh, oh, that Empire yeah. flashback. What did you think? Oh, uh, it's rough. No. I think that takes place after season two of Rebels, but uh, that's really? also not a hill I'm willing to die on. I am intrigued by that. I would support that. After season two, that's interesting. We, I mean, clone, or we see stormtroopers, we see snowtroopers, we see imperial probe droids. Uh, he still has the pre A New Hope red eyes. And yeah. um, it just feels like Vader would be investigating after Ahsoka uh, showed up. So. Yeah. Oh. That's my theory. I like that. Yeah. That, I accept it. That's I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but that's, yeah. Wow. Because why else would he be, like, out looking? Well, I, well, I, I imagine he never stopped. Well, looking. true. But, but actively yeah. seeking information, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Follow us on Twitter at Force Friends Pod. Give us money at Kofi slash Force Friends Rewatch. Shoot us an email at forcefriendsrewatch at gmail.com. And we want to give a huge thank you to Bristol Podworks for that intro and for being our producer. Go reach out to them to make your podcasting dreams come true. Make sure you follow Becca at Becca Soka on Instagram. And uh, how do we end the podcast, gang? Well, that's a good question, because after the most recent, uh, after chapter 11 of The Mandalorian, I don't know how I feel about saying this is the way. Maybe this is the way? Question Question mark? (laughs) Maybe there's more than one way, and you shouldn't be a dick to people who have a different way. I like that. All right. This is the way. This is one of the ways. (laughs) Morning, morning.